You know what I don't understand? How the hell are you still alive? Welcome back to Innovator. We are talking with Dan McDonald. He's a producer, independent film producer, working on some major projects like Jiu-Jitsu starring Nick Cage. You have that right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, very cool. Tell me briefly about, about the film. Well, it's a story about an alien uh, that comes down from outer space, and Nick Cage and a tribe of Jiu-Jitsu warriors have to fight it off to save the planet. Doesn't really get more classic age than that. Um, no, it's uh, a, a, a more noble cause. Right? <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a martial arts film. Um, it's uh, it's really geared to uh, martial arts audiences. Uh, it features some really great choreography, um, some really cool fight sequences. Um, so if you're in a martial arts uh, and you like action, then yeah, this movie will be a good time. And um, if you're like teaching your kid martial arts, it's probably a great training film, right? That's yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you you can learn some pretty incredible uh, moves. Well, this uh, I mean, if if there's going to be aliens attacking, let's just keep rolling, right? This pandemic era, why not? Yeah, yeah. Bring it, I mean, bring it's, it. it's, it's about a plot as ridiculous as what's going on in 2020. Um, so it is yeah. kind of a good 2020 flick. So tell people like what you do on the film. There's, you know, the credits roll and there's gaffers, there's editors, there's catering. I know you're in editing, but tell me like, what do you, what did, how did you do and how did it go down? Uh, yeah, I, I served as uh, head of post-production. Um, and that is really the best way of describing that is, you know, the director just said, said to me, uh, Hey Dan, we're, we're making a movie. Do you want to, do you want to edit it? And, you know, and I, of course I was like, yeah, I'd love to. And then, uh, and then we just go from there. It we start off uh, by first off, we start off by having to get hard drives for the film. Um, you know, all of the equipment. We start having to figure out like logistics, shipping logistics. We filmed um, in Cyprus by um, by Greece, uh, and uh, we filmed there because uh, they were offering a really competitive um, tax incentive, which is kind of a cool world, different countries um, and states in the U.S. will offer tax incentives to basically lure production teams to film there. And uh, and in so doing, they kind of hope to develop their uh, film industry um, in some way. Uh, there's a lot of countries uh, in the Mediterranean that have um, some really cool tax incentives. Malta, for instance, uh, offers a really good tax incentive and a lot of people that film um they, they they've developed the uh this really cool um infinity pool where if you want to shoot like anything on a ship um you shoot it in this giant green screen pool of water it's like the size of like three olympic swimming pools and um Malta is like the only place in the world that offers it. And so major motion pictures, whenever they film anything with boats, they film it in Malta. Really? And, huh. and this all kind of just spawned out of this tax incentive um, that the country began to offer. And then, um, you know, and, and other places are trying to kind of do it and kind of capitalize on that luck. Um, you know, uh, 
Iceland, Ireland uh, offer really good um, tax incentives. They also have like a lot of filming daylight. Um, you know, it, the days are really short right now. Sun's setting at four o'clock, so you don't have a lot of time to film. But if you're filming in Iceland, you've got a 14 hour day of sunlight and that's huge. Um, you know, and uh, so, yeah, countries like that are just trying to capitalize on on tax incentives, which are kind of cool. Um and that's why we filmed in Cyprus. And, uh, um, you know, and then when I came on board, it just began, you know, just figuring out all of the logistics of, you know, how do you make post happen? Um, you know, we had to find crew in Cyprus, which was hard. There's not a lot of um, filmmakers, like nuanced post-production professionals. Um, uh, but um, we ended up getting connected to a really great um, indie filmmaker there who helped me out as my assistant editor and uh he was awesome um and uh how do you find how do you find staff in cyprus there's there are there are production teams that you that you can work with that um that we worked with we worked with a company called green olive based out in uh greece and they um they just know the filmmaking community in uh, in the Mediterranean, and they uh, were able to connect us to a lot of the staff that we needed. And and of course, there was also a lot of training too. Um, you know, we we get there, you have to you have to train some of the staff too. So that actually became um, part of everyone's all of the key creatives' job was to just kind of help out. Um, others in, in kind of learning what was needed to, to be done. And, um, and everyone did a really good job. Yeah. Yeah. Heavy lifting with, uh, with everything going on right now, I would imagine that different countries are also seeing from a, from a uh, filmmakers choosing where and when to do, you know, uh, uh, on location and post would be where that country currently sits with uh, different restrictions around COVID and uh, availability of staff and availability to you know, literally go shoot without certain restrictions. Uh, I've, I've heard bits and pieces, but did you get any of the tail end of that? And how did that impact the editing well, side of things? Yeah, we were, we were going to go into production on another, um, another film right after jujitsu wrapped. That being said, um, uh, we got delayed obviously because of COVID and the production insurance demanded some pretty, um, the COVID production insurance just, just cost a lot of money. Um, I think, I think for the entire, um, production, uh, to be COVID insured was $500,000 or something in that ballpark range. And, um, that's just an enormous burden for an indie film to, um, take on. You just can't do it. So, you know, we delayed. That's all, you know, we just, we couldn't go into production. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then you, you know, he had mentioned to me how suddenly there was a different way of doing things, right? Like you get the drive and, you know, you used to meet with people in person and uh, we were saying, you, you just holler people over and look over your shoulder and, hey guys, what do you think of this cut? Um, yeah. Obviously everyone's on Zoom calls. I mean, whether you're an accounting firm or um, you're, you're bidding on a landscaping job, you're probably doing these ahead of times over a, a video chats, but you know, it, uh, what's different? I th- I think I know, and people know what's probably different in the way you do things, like not working in 
as big of production facilities anymore, but um, what stands out as well, different and getting, figuring it out? Yeah. Uh, film is such a visual medium, obviously. And, you know, we're on a, we're talking together right now, but if I'm describing a picture to you or what changes I'm making to a picture, it's, it's really hard for you to see. And with, you know, without seeing the picture, without being in the room with, with me looking at it together. And, um, so, you know, working with clients, um, whether on a film or at an advertising agency, um, it's, the process of editing has really slowed in a way. Um, cause if I want to show you anything, I have to like send it to you via email. I've got to upload it and then you got to look at it and then you've got to describe to me any tweaks and changes that, that you want. Um, and it like something that I could do in a minute, um, in a collaborative environment with like literally you'd call me over or, you know, and say, yeah. This. And yeah. you could say less red. This, <laughs> Yeah, this this process uh, because of COVID is now um, taken like half a day, you know, like just for me to send you something to review, you review it, you send it back that, you know, there's the internet upload, download speed factors. Um, it kind of blindsided, sort of blindsided a lot of companies because they just didn't, um, they didn't realize how expensive um this back and forth would be how time consuming it would be. So one of the first, um, uh, one of, one of the challenges was like, all right, how do we make this process go faster? How do we make this process go smoother? How do we work with people back and forth online? Um, and something that kind of like really became, um, uh, uh, powerful, um, is, online uh online cloud tools like uh where you can where you can um put your post your edit you clients can write notes directly on the screen like a, like a frame io or like, a, like a frame io and those those kind of workflows really took off in a big way and then companies then began figuring out like um ways that we could um streamline our our data. Um, Dan, talk about how the industry is using some of these things like Frame.io. Like everyone is suddenly an expert now in, in most industries on, on Zoom, on conference calls, on Slack, on Asana, uh, doing things the same way. It used to be, you know, meet somebody at the water cooler or chat about it over lunch. Now it's over you know, a video call. Um, I'm really curious how the industry, what they've learned and how others might pick up on some of that. Like, what do you, what have you discovered? Like, we got to do this different, better and faster. Cause you know, we're on a timeline, right? Like if yeah. your movie doesn't get finished in time, everyone loses jobs. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I'll say it, it was a bumpy road in the beginning for a lot of, a lot of agencies. Um, the big, one of the big problems is, um, you know, everyone is working with data, it doesn't matter whether you're in film, it doesn't matter if you're in insurance or you're running a dental company, um, you've got data of some sort that, you know, you are sharing with your employees and, you know, that data is, is changing. Um, it's being updated, you know, um, there's, there's, and, and those updates 
um, they need to be shared with the whole team. Um, so for instance, like if you're updating a Microsoft Word document on your end, that needs to be um, you know, universally updated on everybody's uh, computers. Or if I'm updating an edit project, um, others need to be able to access and and uh, access these updates. And um, so keeping data updated has been a massive challenge um, with everybody now working from home. You know, everything used to be on a server in a centralized hub. It was a lot easier. Um, uh, so we kind of had a in a way, editors got kind of lucky here because that is something we have to do on the back end of a lot of film projects is, you know, you just got to keep things organized so that you can be fast. Um, and we started using tools like uh, Dropbox where um, teams can, you can literally put your files in Dropbox and if you have Dropbox, I have Dropbox, our buddy has Dropbox, and all of our files are in Dropbox on our desktop, it Dropbox automatically synchronizes everything. So um, it was figuring out how to use these tools um, to help, you know, to basically kind of fine tune our own unique pipelines. Uh, yeah, and, and not, you know, you might have Dropbox, but you might not really know how to how to use Dropbox. Um, and so there there is definitely like an extra bit of onboarding, um, kind of like tech training, um, and and that that kind of helped. That worked. That worked in our favor as editors, as sort of like techies. Um, you know, we became a little bit more relied upon as kind of like company tech gurus. Um, so that, that was a nice thing about COVID for, um, for us because, uh, we just became more, um, employed. Yeah. So got lucky and, there. and I would guess that, um, there's like a lot of other businesses, a new, version of and nobody says like when everything goes back to normal or new normal but just the transition of how some of this parlays into back-end offices back-end shared work environments um and and what what are the best pieces that you keep so yeah. what would you say are like some of the best pieces like this is going to be awesome i i'm hoping that you know when covid goes away um that we we still might retain some of that work from home flexibility that we're all forced to do right now. I mean, it's, I, I miss working in an office. I, I get cabin fever. Um, you know, it's, it's hard working from home and not being around people. And it can be a little, um, lonely at times. Uh, but it is nice to be able to have that ability to work from home and, you know, do something like quick, pick up your, uh, your son, your daughter, or, you know, at a, from school to have that flexibility. So I'm hoping that when this all, um, settles down that, that maybe we'll land and like, maybe, you know, we'll, maybe the work, work life will be more of a work home balance. And I think that could be a good thing that derives from the COVID era. I think we're all on board with that for sure. Everybody wants uh, a version of flexibility moving forward. Movie fans in general, right? It feels mm -hmm. like for a while, everyone freaked out and saying, oh, great, there's not going to be any new movies for a while. 
um, it feels like there's going to be more, um, more better choices for the consumer down the road. Yeah, this is this is an area that is so in flux right now. Uh, the way we watch things, um, it seems like it just changes so much year to year. Um, you've got so many good competing platforms now. I mean, it's not just Netflix. Um, you know, it's Disney Plus, it's Hulu, it's um, it, YouTube, YouTube, HBO, HBO Max. Everyone is, everyone now has this ability to distribute and, and stream content. And you've got basically, you've got these streaming platform wars, uh, that are, that are happening. And, um, and what's that like to, to people that are working on, on projects like you? It's good for me, for sure. Um, it's good for filmmakers because these, um, these platforms, they need content. They need you know, they, they need things made so that they can be on the, on the platforms. And it, um, there's, it just means more stuff for filmmakers to make and, and release. Um, but it does, I think, make it a little bit more challenging for, uh, distributors, um, you know, who are now competing with a lot more distributors uh and the you know films just might not make as much money when they're so bifurcated across you, you know all of these all of these different platforms um is is it safe for me to to guess based on some of the things i've seen without naming names but it seems like there's a lot of B content and C content coming down the line um, because cost of production, speed to market, um, and the, you know, good enough for Hulu, good enough for a short run on Netflix, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's uh, not. It's, it's like you're not going to see any $40 million productions, um, you know, or $200 million, uh, over yeah. the, you know, the next couple months, but deal with it. Yeah, there's, um, you know, vacation video 48 hour video blockbuster the the business models of the past um uh they the world of film still works very much the same way where somebody um walks into a store or online and they have to pick something that they want to watch and major motion picture studios um they can only make you know, four or five blockbusters a year. Um, but stores like Blockbuster, they have a lot more shelf space than, you know, four or five, you know, little areas for a DVD or uh so that kind of gives way to the 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 B C movie. Um, because you can make you can stock those shelves with with B and C movies and um they're still going to make money because people are still going to walk into the store or online and they're still going to pick it. Um, right. And rather than, you know, rather than sell that uh, license, that film, the rights to the big blockbuster DVD to a company like blockbuster for what, like a hundred dollars a DVD, a distributor can say, um, Hey, how about, you know, how about this film for 20 bucks? And, and we can give you five films for 20 bucks, uh, yeah. each. um, 
and that's really appealing and um and it kind of also helps you know every film is a bit of a gamble so i think if you're just smaller production obviously you can pivot versus yeah yeah it's it's less risk on smaller productions um you know for sure and there is a little bit of um you know a lot, a lot of companies that will just kind of like you know, they, they they are kind of just throwing things at the wall and seeing and seeing what sticks and um in in a way um in a way online streaming has kind of given way to this sort of like youtube aesthetic i'll call it like it's good enough um it doesn't have to be as polished as it once was because audiences are just more forgiving and i think that kind of phenomenon has has led to some really interesting films like sharknado um you know it's it's a film that kind of like embraces the the bc moviness of it and it's immensely popular it's a classic now yeah it's a cult classic and so i think a lot of um a lot of streaming platforms are trying to kind of help um figure out like what's going to be that next sharknado like what's that low budget thing that we can make that audiences are going to love and it's just going to stick and resonate and um that's kind of i think the best bang for your buck indie film project concept right now and a lot of a lot of people are going for that and you know and that's and and that's what um you know, and that's what jujitsu is too. Um, it's a crazy plot. It's far fetched. Um, it's got crazy acting and crazy martial arts and cool fight scenes. So, um, yeah, you know, we'll see how it does. That's great. I'm hoping it uh, it reaches that 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 cult status, and it sounds like it's on its way. Um, certainly, it's got a great following already. And uh, hopefully, you know, it's, uh, someday when they when we look back a couple of years from now, we'll be like that thing is you know, here's the era that it came from and let's uh, rewatch it again. And, uh, uh, and we'll say Dan McDonald, I know that guy and I heard his podcast. Right? <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me, Dan. Appreciate it. There's no honor in killing crazy. I can fly too. 